Hello, this is Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. I'm Dustin Toberman, a longtime ag veteran and founder of Omni Ag Consulting. And my name is Nick. I produce the podcast and ask questions. And today we're going to be calling out some ways that businesses in agriculture might get interviews wrong or do get interviews wrong and what they can do to improve. But uh, before we get started, Dustin, how you been? It's good to see you again, Nicholas. I'm good yeah. down here. Uh, I think summer's officially kicked off with our uh, upper 90 degree days in Florida. Yep. How yeah. about up in St. Louis? Well, it, not quite that temperature, but you know, the humidity is, uh, is pretty rough. And this year, you know, I'm, I'm using the AC. I think I've had a long time aversion and uh, tried to avoid using it out of frugality. But this year I said, you know what? I'm turning it on. I don't Sometimes care. you just got to go for it. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think that people don't realize is how swampy St. Louis gets. Yes. And that definitely prepared me before my life in Florida, because in the middle of July, August in St. Louis absolutely feels like I'm sitting in the Everglades. And now that I live here, it's, it's a common feeling. So I, I know what you mean. The AC can be a lifesaver. And baseball is kind of in full swing. And I think, uh, you know, as the weather warms up, so are, so are teams. Teams are getting used to the new rules. I know this is also a baseball podcast. Of course. Yeah. I actually have a few baseball references in my, my notes today. And I, as much as I try not to add them in there, it just kind of happens naturally. Oh, sure. Yeah, this is, this is our language. So this is how it's going to work. Uh, and I'll provide a, a, a glossary of baseball terms uh, in, in the podcast notes. But uh, yeah, we're talking about interviews which, I mean, in my experience, can be incredibly memorable experiences. I tell you, I am, I am pumped today, maybe as much as I have been for any of our, our topics, because I feel a little bit like this could ruffle some feathers. That's not always a yes. bad thing, because I think when, you know, when people hear that, hey, you know, I'm not good at something or we're, we're, we're failing in a particular area, right? People tend to get upset about that. And I think today, some of the things we're going to talk about are going to ruffle some feathers. But it's a good kind of ruffling, I think, uh, because this is so important. Interviews are, are impactful uh, in, in people's lives. I mean, th we have clear memories of them. In your opinion, like, what is it about an interview that, that leaves such a, such a mark? Just, you know, just as I was thinking about the podcast today and, and we were starting to do our notes and, and have our discussion about it, my, my blood starts to get worked up. Like literally, I go back to you know, getting out of graduating from, from college and starting this whole interview process. And I interviewed with just about every company under the sun in agriculture, you know, trying to find my career path. And I can remember, you know, sitting in my, my car at the time and my blood pressure starting to climb, my, my heart beating and starting to sweat. Because, you know, if you think about it, I mean, th this is going to change your life one way or the other. Something's about to change. That's right. I mean, we talked about the mind body connection before and it's like, yeah, before an interview, you feel it. You feel it. Do you remember your first interview? I do. I remember my, my very first interview after school. And, and the funny thing is, is that you have all these ideas, right? That, that you, th of, of ways that, that you think it should go. I'm like, this is good. I'm, I'm going to tell my story. All my jokes are going to be funny. Instantly, we're going to make this connection and they're going to look at me and say, you know, when can you start? Yep. And uh, it, it could not have gone further in the opposite direction. All I can remember is seeing was the, the hiring manager at the time, and it was a major St. Louis ag company, sitting back behind the desk. And here I am all dressed up, you know, ready to impress. And no matter what I said, the expression on this person's face never changed. Not a smile, not just, just kind of a scowl staring at me. Uncomfortable wow. was the word that comes to mind. Sure. Uh, not a great experience. What, what about yourself? Well, so I think back to my real first interview, which would have been... Uh, back when I was like 15 or 16. 
because it taught me a lot, even though it was Best Buy. You know, this is a retail position. My mom drove me to the to the interview, uh, which was mistake Thanks, number mom. one. Uh, <laughs> that was the first thing I learned was that you need to go ahead and, and get out there on your own to feel confident enough to walk into that interview because she drove me there. And this is when cell phones were kind of new. Most people didn't have them. She handed me her cell phone and said, call me when you're done. And I looked at this thing and I was sort of unfamiliar with the cell phone. You know, it was one of these old clamshell. Of numbers. course. Yeah, I remember well. Uh, so I, you know, I, I thought I can't have this going off in the interview. I need to turn it off. I need to mute it. And I thought that I had done that. But because it wasn't my phone, because this was a new concept to me, the idea of a cell phone, I didn't uh, I wasn't successful, Dustin, in, in deactivating the cell and so phone. it went off in the middle of the interview. Yes, it did. And if I'm giving that interview, that's a sign that uh, maybe this guy's not right for Best Buy. It's, it's an, an immediate red flag, right? And 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 I can tell you from the other perspective, right, of the person interviewing you, I'm sure they said something to make you feel comfortable, like, hey, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. When in reality, when you saw them taking notes, they were writing, didn't know how to deactivate the phone. Yes. No way, right? right? And it was over before it started. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I remember her handing me the phone. I was like, I don't want this. I, I don't know what to do with this thing. So yeah, it, it kind of, you know, that taught me a little bit. Um, what about your first good interview? Do you remember the first one you nailed? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, obviously I, I'm still in the ag industry. And so, right. you know, my, my first interview was, was with an ag company and, and it did set me off on my career path. But I, I remember just feeling the word I would use would be a uh, connection. And I use that word a lot when we're talking about interviews, because I, I think that's so important was that I felt the connection. You know, everything that I said, they seemed to understand. I seemed to give the point that they were trying to make on all their questions. And, and then we just had that connection. And I think that's, that's mm. a piece that a lot of people, you know, overlook is that ultimately that's, that's what we're looking for, right? Yes, we want, we want someone that's knowledgeable, that, uh, that, that can actually do the job. But in the end, it's about making that connection. And when I think back, you know, whether I was on the interviewing side or, or getting interviewed, when I'm able to make that connection, that's a positive experience. And, and I think one of the reasons that people fear interviews so much is because of that lack of connection. And they feel like, you know, it's, it's more like an interrogation, right? You look at those mm -hmm. old movies with the, uh, with the detective, you know, give me the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And you're under the hot lamp. I, I think that's where we go wrong, and, you know, failing to see the human side of it. And, and, and hopefully we're going to talk about some things today that can help correct that. Well, and with that bad example you provided, it's like you went into that interview with an idea of how you could connect with that person, but it didn't work. It's almost like, you know, he was a puzzle and uh, he expected you to figure out how to solve the puzzle. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think that's, that's common is, is that in interviews, a lot of times we just kind of miss the mark, right? You know, we've got an idea of, of what direction we want to go. The interviewer's got a whole nother idea and we, we fail to come together. And I think that's really the big issue there. And I think that's, the responsibility goes back on, you know, the, the people conducting the interview, right? The idea should be to have things flow. It should be more like a conversation. And, and I think that's where we go wrong. And in fact, I'd, I'd go so far to say that, that we're flat out bad at it, right? How many times I, I think in my own career, not only when I was walking out after being interviewed, but also doing the interviewing, how many times did I look back and I say, I asked all these questions that are on this resume and I really couldn't tell you what that person's all about. Right. Again, it goes back to that connection. And I think that's one of the big mistakes that we make in these interviews is that, you know, we, we fail to make the connection because they're, they're very scripted. We ask canned questions that give us canned answers and, and we miss the mark. We're really unable to, to find out who it is that we're trying to interview when I think all along that should really be the goal. 
Well, let's let's really paint a picture for people. And and by the way, I do have a positive example of of interviews. Maybe I'll drop that later. But let's paint a picture for people. Agriculture interviews. What's that like walking into an agriculture interview? And even before that, setting it up, walking into it, the experience itself, and then the follow up. Take me through that journey. I think, you know, and, and I think this can be true in any, in any organization, in any industry. I think that in general, uh, like I said before, I think we're flat out bad at it, right? I think mm-hmm. it's the worst game of cards uh, ever played, right? With tells all over the place. Everybody's sure. trying to play a part. When I, I actually, to take it back even further, when I think about my first interviews coming out of school, and like I said, I interviewed at, at a lot. And a lot of them, I, I didn't get great responses. And, I, and I'm looking back now that I've, I've had the experience that I've had over the last 20 years and I can assess what, where we went wrong was that I think I was trying to be something different to every person, right? I was trying to play off of their personality and I wasn't really being true to who I was. And, and that's, that's easy to see through. And so, like I said, I, I think the interview process is a bad game of cards. You know, I, I read in the uh, Harvard Business Review quote that uh, it, it was interesting it it quoted one CEO that said that the interview process is the most flawed process in American business. And wow. I can relate, I can relate to that, right? I, I just think we, we missed the mark on, on so many levels. And I think when you look at why, I think, you know, oftentimes it becomes about checking boxes okay. right? and, and, you know, not really getting to the heart of, of who someone is, right? You know, at the end of it, you might be able to answer, uh, you know, Hey, I, I know that this person was a lifeguard at the local YMCA at 16. But do I really have a feel for what they're going to be like on my team? You know, do I have a, a feel for their emotional intelligence and awareness, right? What are their soft skills like? Are they a problem solver? And I, I think that's where we go wrong. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to, to wonder what role should a resume play in an interview? Because you talk about checking boxes. I, I remember experiences where I've got like a really well-written resume. It's complete. It's clear. And the interviewer is basically just using that to say, explain this further, explain that further, where they could have maybe read it ahead of time. So what role should the resume play in, in an interview? It's a crutch. Uh, and, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way, but it's a crutch. One of the, one of the biggest red flags I've seen with those companies that I've, I've sat in and, and I've observed their interview process, you know, just to give feedback, is that it, it's a crutch, right? What do we do? You know, when you, when you think back at the interviews that didn't go well, you know, how does that play out? How does that look? And typically that's with a, a hiring manager or the person conducting the interview, staring down at the resume. And they're literally going line by line, right? I see here that you were, uh, you know, you were in 4-H. Tell me about it. Uh, I see that you were a lifeguard or you worked as a farmhand. Tell me about it. I mean, it, mm. it's, 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 it's just, it's painful as a, a root canal, I think, in, it's, in some cases. And I think that's one of the, you know, one of the big mistakes we made. And, and I think that that's where a good interviewer knows how to draw out the right responses from people. I, I mentioned a second ago about getting these canned answers. And when you ask questions strictly based off, off of a resume, I really think that's what you're going to get because those are the kind of things that we prepare for. And you're really not going to be able to identify someone's true you know, character. And so I, I think the interview, one of the things that I like to do in an interview, I'm, I'm going to look at your main titles and we're, we're going to talk about that at some point, but I want to flip right. it over because I want the person that I'm interviewing to realize, hey, this isn't just kind of a review of my life. You know, I want to go beyond that. And so me personally, I like to just flip it over to let them know that this is a whole new game. We are not going to strictly be going off of, of a resume today. Okay. So that kind of gets me into the question of, we, we've talked about some of the questions that 
are typical or that maybe don't get to the to the meat of of the conversation. So what kinds of questions should interviewers ask that they maybe usually don't? You know, if you think about, you know, what what would you, I'll, I'll ask you, what would you say would be the most common question that we get asked in an interview? Probably right out of the gate. Oh, wow. Well, I think of the the trick question, though, your, what's your greatest weakness? <laughs> that, that, is, that is a popular one, too. That's, that's pretty common. But, but maybe, um, I don't know, uh, what in your experience prepared you for this role is, is something I've heard. Yeah, that, that, that's another common one. I, I would say probably in my experience, it would be tell me about yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the thing. Who is ever going to present themselves to be anything less than what you want, right? I mean, when asked, if I know that my livelihood depends on this, why would I make myself sound like I'm totally out of touch and irrational and illogical, right? So I'm going to say all the kind of things that make me sound great. Hey, I'm a, I love to collaborate. I'm a, I'm a team player, a hard worker, driver. Right? I'm going to use all those buzzwords. And so, of course. And so I, th- I think when it comes down to, you know, really, truly learning about someone, it's, it's going off script and it's looking for behavioral markers and it's, it's asking questions that, that dive deep and dive beyond the resume. You know, questions like, tell me about a time that you had to overcome adversity. I'd like to know, tell me about a time that you weren't able to overcome adversity. Tell me about a time when everything went wrong and it doesn't have a happy ending. That's what I want to know about, right? How did you respond to that, right? Because we can all, you know, everybody loves to, to do the rocky happy ending where, hey, I went through some adversity. And I came back and now here I'm the champ. Tell me about a time when you failed, when well, every, everything that you tried to do went against you and, and you still had to, to, to come back the next day. What'd you do? It's, it's how they deal with adversity. It's how they, Huge. you know, in that moment, they can demonstrate that they can learn from those situations, which is yeah, huge. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because look, in the end, particularly in ag, uh, you're, you're going to face a lot of adversity. To me, you know, over the course of a, of a career, you see those that are having success are those that can overcome that adversity. They come back, you know, with a positive attitude and, and they fight and they win, even when they're at their worst, you know, they're, they're still bringing it. And those are the type of people that we want to identify in an interview. And if we're not asking the right kind of questions, we totally miss out on that. Well, something I always used to ask in interviews when I w- was performing them was I, I'd like to get into the extracurriculars, you know, what community involvement, what hobbies, what clubs, what service, you know, what have you contributed and, and what do you like to do outside of work other than sit on the couch, which of course I enjoy, but what, what does your life look As like? Do and I. I think you can learn a lot, <laughs> right? Yeah. N- nothing wrong with that. Nothing no, who wrong doesn't, that. who doesn't occasionally, but uh, yeah, but what, what else outside of work, who are you? And I think that matters. Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, we are trying to identify people that are going to have a positive impact on, on our organization. We can hide for so long who we really are, but eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out, right? And, and even in our work, if you think about it, we spend more time at the office and with our, our colleagues than we do, uh, you know, our family. And so, you know, the more that we know about that person, you know, the more of an informed decision we're going to make. And, and I think if you can find a way to dig down and, and really get to know the, the person and make that human connection about who they are, what makes them tick, not just really what they do, but the why behind it. I, I think that's so go. important yeah. to ask. Okay, I understand that you know you've got these skills. You're good at this, this, this. This is your passion, but I want to know why, right? What are, what are you looking for? Because I think where those intersect is is really what it comes down to, right? Or what are you chasing in life? Is it the money? Is it the title? Is it career? Is it giving back? And I think when you look in someone's private life, those characteristics and those reasons are more likely to come out. And 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 again, that's so important to make that connection. Yeah, and you know what? If that person is going to end up being a valuable member of your team, that interview 
it becomes really good intel for managers. You, if you understand what drives that person, uh, you're going to be able to manage that person a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What makes them tick? Right. What are their motivations? I, you know, that's the sign of a great manager. They have to be, you know, someone else needs a, a pat on the back. Someone else needs a, a boot, you know, to the rear. And so understanding their motivators, you know, right? what, why they come to, what is their why, why they come to the office, why they compete every day, that's going to help you better manage that. And so, you know, I think that organizations are living, breathing things. They're alive. And so every team to me has a pulse and a vibe, right? People attract people with the same characteristics and, and, and goals. And so when you're bringing someone into your organization, it's really important that those people that you bring in, they align with those goals and those, those characteristics. And so Again, the more we can find out about that and, and their reasons as to why they're doing what they are, the better fit they're going to be. And that's really the whole goal of the interview, right? It's not to right. understand what you did at 16 as a lifeguard or working on a farm as a farmhand. It's, hey, really, what makes you tick? Because I need to understand that. How are you going to impact my team? Right. So we're talking about asking different kinds of questions. And here's a little bit of a curveball. But apart from the Q&A format, are there other creative ways that you can conduct an interview that involve you know, something more than just sitting down on either side of a table? You know, one of the, one of the most unique, uh, I, I read a book and, and uh, they, they talked about the, the barbecue and the beer test, right? Okay. And, uh, it, you know, I, it, it's a simple way of saying, does, does, somebody, does somebody fit in, in, in with in, in my group? Would, would they be the kind of person when you walked up to at a barbecue and you walk the other way or did you walk towards them? Or would they be the kind of person that you could sit down and, and, and have a beverage with, right? Could you, could you carry on a conversation? Are they... Are they interesting enough to keep your attention and to not scare you away? And so, you know, when I think about other questions, that, that, that's one of the things that I always like to think about is, you know, how could I see myself dealing with this person outside of the office? And I like to ask them that as well. I like to ask them to reflect on, on themselves that when you are at a barbecue or when you find yourself walking into a social setting, are you the kind of person that walks to the crowd? Are you engaging? Are you the kind of person that goes to the corner, right? These are behavioral markers that tell us a lot more and just what's on the surface, right? That's going to give you a pretty good indication socially of what these kind of people like to do and how they communicate. You know what? And it raises another concern for me, which is what you're talking about might even be a two-way challenge where is your team too insular? Are they, too, are they accepting of new people who, who come in with a good attitude or are they kind of you know, off put by that? So uh, it's the candidate. I see it as the candidate being willing and able to operate in those social scenarios, but it's also the teams, right? Uh, being willing and able to accept new people in. Yeah. Right. If you think about it, you know, we've all been to the, to the company get togethers, right? And it's, it's funny that if you, if you look down and, and, and you break it down as to, you know, who is where in the, in the company, in the company get together, who's at the barbecue, who's at the bar and who's standing off by themselves. I think that often reflects the way it is at the office too. Right. So right. you're going to see, you're, you know, people are, are going to drop their guard and they're going to be themselves. And that's really what, what you're looking for. And you're right. You're going to find out in that kind of social setting who is willing to work with others and to accept and to, you know, listen to new ideas and is engaging versus somebody that well, isn't. The reason I bring that up, Dustin, is because the words of Brittany Botts, our, our guest in, on a previous podcast, are ringing in my ears. Yes. Uh, she reminded us because culture, you want a cultural fit. But when you talk about culture, I don't think we're talking about, do you like baseball? Do you like beer? Maybe they've got a plant-based hot dog. And, and we, we don't like that. We, Which we don't I will pass on. That. But they are hardworking. They're curious. You know, they've got a good attitude. Um, so it's really, I think, when we talk about cultural, we're not so much talking about uh, we like the same music, although that's a plus. 
we're, we're talking about will they fit into the work culture here? Yeah, for the record, if I talk to somebody that does eat a plant-based hot dog, we're probably going to pass. We probably don't go to round two, <laughs> but that, that's me. That's my own bias. I, I apologize up front. But yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the culture is so important. And, you know, we, we've talked in these podcasts before about, about culture and every company is, is looking for it, right? And they're all trying to create it. And, and I think this is really where it starts. And that's why it's, it's so important for us to make good hires because whoever we bring on in one way or another is going to have a positive or a negative impact. There's, there's, not, there's no middle ground there. And so we want to ensure that the people that we bring on we're bringing you on for the right reasons, right? And, and people right. that we can grow with. And really that should be the goal of any organization, right? I, I think a, a mistake that we make is a lot of times because of, you know, the pressure and, and believe me, I know, you know, just a, a scenario that we run into a lot in the ag industry, a facility that maybe a manager's had to move on or you've had to promote and now you've got a hole and this hole's got to be filled, right? And there's a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of safety involved. And so you've got this pressure to hire someone. And so oftentimes we rush to fill because, listen, you know, you're from an ag background. You've done this before. Good luck. And I, and, and I get it. I get it. But well, making a hire like that is, is a dangerous move because, again, you've got to think about the impact. We've got to be hiring for impact. Love that. Hiring for impact. So, and we, we're talking about culture and, and that impact on the culture. And it leads me to the next question, which is about who is performing the interview? Because I think a lot of candidates go into interviews assuming that that person is interviewing for a reason, that they'll know everything about the role, but that's not always the case, right? It's not, unfortunately. And look, I, I'm going to let you behind the curtain a little bit. I, I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of candidates, and I can tell you that I was never formally trained on how to interview. And, and I think that's a problem. I, you know, that's something we can talk about in the end about ways to overcome that. But you know, that's an issue. And, and, and here's something else that happens. A lot of times, particularly if you work for a large company where you've got, you know, HR people that are in a different department, you know, you might not be communicating with them on a daily basis and they've set up interviews. And at the last minute they call in and they say, listen, Nicholas, I've got an eight o'clock coming in. You know, the, uh, the person that was scheduled to interview them is stuck in traffic. Anyway, you can take this over. And of course your first reaction is, you know, I'm a busy day myself, but okay, let's go through the motions. And again, this is how we go down the wrong path. And that's a problem. And so I think, you know, one of the things that we need to do is, is that realize that, you know, the people that are conducting the interviews are human as well, but as an organization, we've got to do better. We've got to find ways to make sure that the people that are going to be making these life-changing decisions and have huge impact on our organizations are formally trained and that we're all aligned as to what does this role mean? What, what are the teammates like? What are their characteristics? How do they win, right? How does this all fit? Because that's what you're really looking for, as we talked about, you know, finding this connection. What's the impact going to be on this team? And if you're not keeping that in mind when we're interviewing, that's when things go bad. Well, I, I'm also thinking back to your original uh, example interview and, and, and the kind of demeanor that that person had. So what, you know, if, if you're performing an interview in agriculture, uh, what kind of demeanor should you have? What kind of, I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's bad on both sides. If you're if you're too relaxed, too loosey goosey, or or too buttoned up. So, what's the right kind of approach? That's that's a good question. Something to keep in mind. We're all human beings, right? I, I remember in college we did this experiment. I had a communications class, and they had two of us go outside and each come back in, and they had each of us tell a story. And the first story that they told, the class was told to sit there staring with no facial expressions and then just see what the speaker's reaction was. And they filmed all this, and then they showed it back to us later. And the second speaker, which happened to be myself, they came in, 
and they had people smile and they sat in a, in a really kind of comfortable pose and they, and they mm. nodded their heads in agreement. And, and the point is, is that we, we react to what we're seeing, right? And we give the vibe that we're getting. And so I, I think going into these interviews, you, you mentioned it a second ago, the importance of uh, having someone in there that's, that's looks forward to this process and then understands what it means to an organization, but also someone who's just approachable. You know, you don't have to be a pushover. I mean, again, we're, we're going to be asking some pressing questions where we don't want this just to be a cakewalk, but I think someone who gets people, someone who's a communicator, right? Someone that understands the value of listening as much as they do of explaining themselves and that doesn't come off as a, a total salesperson trying to sell a company. I think it's very, very important, the person that we, we put in charge of this. And so someone that, that people can identify with, I think, would be a great start. I also know that in interviews in the past, you know, I've, I've asked questions that the interviewer couldn't answer and really didn't care to answer. Sure. Does that ever, do, you, do you ever see that happen? And, and what do candidates feel when, when that does happen? I, I think that they feel it's just a total lack of connection. And, and look, these are the kind of things as a recruiter that when candidates call me immediately, these are the things they say, look. I was telling my story. You could totally feel that this person wasn't listening. They were literally looking at the resume, waiting to ask me the next question, or, you know, they were, they were taking notes, you know, not engaging. And so, yeah, people, people feel that. And when they do, they have a tendency to shut down. And, and both of us wind up saying, looking at our watches, you know, when is this thing going to be over? Um, and so that, and again, that doesn't accomplish our goal. You know, you might miss out on somebody that's a potentially great hire, but yeah, it's easy to feel when things get awkward. Well, you know, I, I know one of the things you talk about being great for a candidate is that they have vision, that they can they can see potential futures and not just the way things are, but the the interviewer kind of has to have vision too for the future of that candidate, or else they're not going to make that connection. Yeah, I, I think that so many times, you know, again, we go back to the what are we hiring for today, and they and they don't have that vision about thinking what could this person possibly be. And along with hiring for impact, I think the whole retention, you know, it's huge these days with the, with the turnover. You know, you're already thinking about succession planning. Whenever I would interview someone, I'm not just thinking about what you're going to do today, but hopefully if I've done my job as a mentor and as a leader, you know, I want to coach you along and I, I, the goal is to have you stay with our organization. So even though I'm interviewing you maybe for an entry-level position today, I'm already thinking about two, three, four, five years down the line. Does this person have the ability to be a senior leader within our organization? Am I thinking a general manager, vice president? You know, how high can we go? And I think those are the kind of things we need to be thinking about. So, you know, don't look at them uh, to, as they are today, but look at them as they could be. I, I you know, here's, here's my, my major league baseball reference. Okay. You know, nobody drafts anybody for the player that they are today. They're drafting them for what they want them to be. Right. So, you know, if you go back and you take some of the flamethrowers like, you know, all of old school Randy Johnson or even Nolan Ryan, you know, you hear about these wild stories of, you know, being uh, you know, unable to control the ball, hitting 10 yes. guys in a game. Right. I'm not drafting you because of what you do today. The hope is, is that I can coach you and make you what I, I think you have the potential to be. And I think we need to have the same mindset when interviewing. Yeah, absolutely. And part of that process is patience too, right? Because yes. if you look at the, like the, I, mean, I always bring up the, the Orioles at the, at the beginning of last season, everyone expected them to be close to a hundred losses again, somewhere in the middle of the season, they, they call up Adley Rutschman, their new catcher. Some of their new guys start clicking and now they're just a force to be reckoned with. They're just, they're just at that level now. And, and, and so, but they, they couldn't have got there if the organization wasn't willing to put in the work and to develop them. It is work. I think you nailed it. It is work. And any time you, you, you're building a bench, right? Just like the minor leagues, you're, you're building your team, you know, from the ground up, it, it is work. And that's why a lot of organizations don't do it. 
But I'll tell you, the ones that are going to be uh, sustainable, they, they do. Because, you know, we've talked before, you can always go out and sign a few free agents. But if you really want to build a team and build a culture, it's got to start from within. And, and that, you're exactly right with the Orioles. That's a great approach. It's all about having that strong bench. And that's why it's so important that the people that we have in our leadership roles, who select those that are interviewing, they're going to be picking the people that, that have that same vision, which is important for it to be identified, right? I, I say this all the time. Are your values and, and your pillars, are they more than just a plaque on the wall? And hopefully that they are. And so people are living that. And these are the kind of things that we want to display in an interview. Because I can tell you, I, I told someone that earlier this week, we had, we had a conversation on interviews and you know how things were going. And, and a lot of people feel this way. Interviews have kind of gotten off the rails a little bit. You know, They're interviewing so many people. It's, it's just a very non-personal process and you just become a number. But you're being interviewed too. I can tell you with today's candidates, with all the options they have out there for jobs, and they're everywhere, you're being interviewed from the first phone call. So how serious you take it, how engaging you are, that could be the difference between you getting that top talent, someone who says, this is the company for me, versus, you know what, this person wasn't engaging. They were looking down at my resume the whole time, not interested. They're making a choice too. So just remember that, that you're not the only one doing the interviewing. Right. So, I mean, the interview process is a filtering process. You're filtering out candidates who aren't a good fit for the role, but you're also filtering out candidates who, you know, maybe don't see you as a good fit for them because yeah. you, you haven't demonstrated that. Yeah. Not, not, a, not every interview ends with a hire, right? But here, here's the point. We want to discover that now versus making a bad hire because the impact that a bad hire can have on you can be absolutely devastating, right? We all, I'm a firm believer and the old adage that uh, one bad apple can spoil the bunch, I've seen it firsthand. I've, I've watched a, a negative individual or somebody who didn't align with the company values just bring down a, a, you know, a team from within. Yes. Um, and, and then the, the, even you know, taking a step further, you risk losing your good people who are at your core, right? And so again, this all starts with the hiring process. So if there's red flags, things that I, I discover, and they don't necessarily have to be negative, maybe we just see things from a different angle. Maybe we just, you know, this individual's style doesn't align with our team. That's okay. But these are things that I want to discover now rather than hiring you in a year in, finding out that things have absolutely gone to hell. And now I've got a problem. Great. And I, I, Dustin, I've got another uh, curveball for you. I hope that's Lay it okay. on me. Yeah, I'm, call, I'm, I'm letting you know what the pitch is going to be. <laughs> so you should be ready. I appreciate it. Uh, so in terms of developing talent and uh, identifying talent with potential what can be trained and what can't be? That's a good question. When, you, when I think about the, the most important characteristics of, of somebody that I'm looking to hire, right? Number one, right out of the gate, you know, I'm looking for someone that I can make that personal connection with. So I think first and foremost, that's what I'm looking for, more so than even just looking at the job description. And I'll say that I think that is another mistake that we make. We immediately just look at, okay, can this person do the job? But that's not enough. So I, I think that... The first thing that I'm going to look at is, again, keeping in mind the culture fit because that's the key to the retention. But I also believe in the adage that good people make good employees. We're human beings, right? And I think that how we treat people is a big indicator. So I'm going to put that above the role itself. How, do, how does this individual deal with my team? Do I feel that connection? Are they somebody that's going to impact my team or my organization in a positive level? So along those lines, you know, things I look for are the soft skills. Okay. We talked about the beer and the barbecue. How do you communicate? Are you a listener? Do you, are you truly engaging? Do, are you seeking information about people? Do you, you know, do you put them above yourself? Or are you somebody that comes in and like you mentioned earlier, hey, it's my way or the highway. I don't listen to outside ideas. Those people are going to impact your organization in a, in a different way. 
the emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, you know, I, I think that's, that's huge to start there. Absolutely. And, and as we talk about this stuff, you know, it's obviously, it takes a lot of effort, forethought, work to identify and develop talent. I mean, it, it just, it's a huge investment, but the payoff is massive. I'm thinking about why managers might not want to spend time and money on that. And I know a lot of managers have baggage because people leave. So the possibility of developing talent that end up leaving your organization, how do you deal with this and, and how do you, uh, you know, prevent it? That, that's going to be a part of any, uh, of any organization, right? I don't care how strong you are. People, you know, they have different wants and needs and, and uh, it's just, it's, it's part of it. It's part of the game, right? Um, the trades happen, injuries happen, you know, to use yep. the baseball reference, of course. Those are things that we have to deal with. But an organization that I believe is built from within that is strong on the inside and they, they truly live their core values as a team and as an organization, you know, they've got that strong culture fit, which trust is a, is a word I like to use a lot. But a team that is built that way, I think, can sustain those losses, right? And they can overcome. They might, instead of, you know, having to rebuild, it's just a more of a regroup. And so that, that's something that I think is, is all managers, we have to almost expect. Um, I, I think we've talked before, there's nothing more frightening than a 7 a.m. phone call on a Friday, because right. usually that's quitting time. But those are things that we have to deal with. But again, if, if, we, if we're if hiring right and we're hiring for impact, the people that we've brought in our organization, they're going to help us sustain that. And that's why, again, that, you know, this, this process is so much deeper than I think it gets credit for oftentimes, that you truly have to have that mindset that you're hiring for the future, because it's, it's not just about where you are today, but it's you know, where you are down the road that really matters where we're trying to get to. And the people that we bring on, they're either going to take us closer to our goals or are they going to take us further away? And, and that's the danger there. Well, and the interview process also helps us to, it obviously helps us identify new talent, develop new talent, but there are also internal interviews that are happening all the time as, as internal roles need to be filled. Are there any distinctive qualities of an internal interview, you know, as opposed to these, uh, these initial interviews we're talking about? Uh, how should an internal interview be approached differently? Tough question there, Nick. You mean internally by uh, like an internal candidate that's already sure, with the company? Yeah. Or? Let's say we need to fill a, an upper management role and we're looking at internal candidates because I, we've talked about that being ideal rather than going out into the market and overpaying for someone who might not fit your culture. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. So th yeah. How, how do we, because let me, let me tell you why I'm asking. My, my good interview, my first good interview, uh, happened when I was a trainer at a contact center and we needed to replace an outgoing training coordinator. And I wasn't confident um, that I could do that. And the outgoing coordinator told me, you should apply. You know everything you need to know for this role. I've seen you do it. I think you can do it. And that, from that moment on, I never had a moment of doubt about the job. I, I interviewed for it. I got it. I did it. And I felt confident. So how can we? How can you do that internally and and encourage folks uh, to take those internal promotions? That's a great story because I I, I feel the same way, and I think if uh, if you asked a lot of people, they would they would comment the same that you know often the toughest hiring managers ourselves, right? We we convince ourselves that we're not qualified for the position, and that's something that I try to tell a lot of the young candidates that I work with. You know, think big, you know, think think beyond just where you are today. Think beyond your title or your current role. Right? Think about where could I get to. I, I like to ask myself the question, how great can I be? Uh, but I, I think that comes from um, 
the the managers that we work with, right? What kind of mentoring do you know are they doing? Something that we've talked about before in previous podcasts that you know about checking in with your manager, having you know these these uh, you know monthly, if not quarterly, conversations where we we get a progress check. How are we doing, right? What what kind of path am I am I on? And I can tell you that that's something that's really important to this generation. They they really want to want to know where I'm headed. Yes, and I think this is all a part of that. But I, I tell you. From, from a personal standpoint, I think that almost interviewing people that are, that are within the organization can be even more scary because you've got this relationship developed already and you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to work with them. They might be sitting a few desks away. Right. And when they're, when they're not qualified, having to tell someone that you have an established relationship with that, you know, they're, they're probably not up to it is it, it can be really, really challenging. I know personally, you know, in the, in the role I was in in management, you know, I, I many, many of my uh, employees have come to me asking me for promotions or hey, look, I think I'm ready for this. And to have to have that talk can be really tough. But I think that's why it's, you've got to be true. I think transparency is huge. And, I, and one of the big things I would add is that when we do something like that and you get someone who gets up the courage, it's important not to take away that bravery and that those guts. Okay. Right? We don't want to totally cut their legs off. And so whenever I were to tell someone that, listen, I don't think that you're probably what we're looking for. I always want to come back with why and here's how we can get you there. Like this Love isn't that. the end. Right. Where yeah. we, we might not be there yet, but we're going to get there and I'm going to help you get there. And I think that makes all the difference in the world because I, I've seen this happen firsthand that someone who, who sticks their neck out and they go for it, even if they're not you know, qualified within an organization who's a great performer, you know, maybe they went for it a little too early and they told, listen, you know, you're not a good fit. They're embarrassed. They don't feel like they've had the proper coaching. Now they start to question themselves and ultimately they leave because they feel like there's really no future for me. So as a leader, as a manager, we've really got to be careful and make sure that, you know, not only are we showing these people, you know, okay, here's where you are today. Here's where I can get you, but I, I'm personally going to help you get there because that's your job. And I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind when dealing with the internal hires. That's great. And sometimes I ask you a question, Dustin, and I'm like, oh, oh that was actually a separate podcast topic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we and, might. Yes, yeah. that, that could be actually, yes. Proper leadership. Well, you've seen curveballs, you've seen fastballs uh, change up. I'm going to groove one to you because I know this is kind of the, the whole point of this discussion. How does an agricultural business, uh, an agribusiness, as you like to say, uh, assess their interview process to make improvements? I, I think the first thing you do is stop and take a look. What do we do now? Let's go through the hiring process. Get with your team, bring HR in, anybody that's going to, to have a say-so in that process. I think you need to come together as a unit and say, let's break it down step by step. How do we handle this? Again, because a lot of, a lot of times we don't, right? We think it's as simple as taking a resume, making a phone call and asking someone that's at the office that day. And that's just the wrong approach. And that's not going to lead to good hires, which is going to lead to success down the road. So I think the first thing that we do is we stop and we, we assess, okay, who's doing it and how are we doing it? Right out of the gate, that's, that's number one. And ask yourself, I think the biggest question is, is are the people that we're entrusting with this process, are they right for the job? And if you don't, I think the next step is to identify those that you think can have a more positive impact on the entire process. Right. So evaluate those interviewers uh, and get them training if they need it. Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, we don't often get that. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm always here to talk about that as well. And that's one of the things that I do with companies is go in and, and try to assess where they are and, and, you know, give them ideas on how we can improve and, and, you know, make it more, have a more structured process. But I think that that's really where it begins. Where are we today? And, you know, this is something that you can look back. It's, it's pretty obvious. Go back and look at your numbers. 
the people that we're interviewing, what kind of success rates are we having? You know, are we missing out on top talent that we've all identified? We all agree. Yes, we think this is the person for the position and yet they're choosing to go somewhere else. I think when you see, you know, you see more times bad than good, it's important to take a look back at yourself and say, maybe we need to have a conversation about where we are today. And how do you get honest feedback from candidates? Because, you know, I, I know one way to assess the interview process would be to find out what people think about it who are on the other side of the table. So that might, it seems like it'd be tough to me to get honest feedback on that, but how, how could it be done? I, I got to be honest. I have never been asked, right? Leaving an interview, okay. right? just, just much like an exit interview with a company, right? You know, what do we do wrong? What could we have done better? And I, I think it's a step that we, we overlook, we shouldn't, but I think if you, you're, you're exactly right. If we really want to know how did it go, just ask, right? If you, if you've, uh, you know, someone's turned you down, do you have a, a few minutes to tell me some of the things that, uh, you know, we could have done better, some of the things you like, some of the things you didn't? Uh, we don't get enough feedback. Um, and I think, again, in that, in that, not only feedback from the, uh, you know, from the candidates, but I think it's important to have other people sit in. Bring in someone from, you know, within the organization that's outside to, you know, even just sit and observe an interview. It might get awkward if they're sitting in the corner. So maybe bring them in as part get of the interview involved, team. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't have them hiding in the closet, but, you know, right. bring them in and say, listen, you know, you're with an organization, you know, we're trying to improve our interviewing, you know, committee and, and, and our process. What are some things that you liked and what are some of the things you didn't like? What are the reasons why you would continue to go down this process with us or, or, or reasons why you don't? And I hear every day, you know, candidates call immediately after an interview. I always like to do a follow-up and ask, you know, how did it go? And, and they lay it on you. And so I think if we just ask, they're willing to give the information, but they're, they're often not asked. So I think getting that feedback is really big. That's awesome. And I, I have one interview tip to drop at the end of this because you've, you've dropped so much knowledge. I'm, I'm just going to give you this little one for Lay free. Lay it on me. Uh, if you're about to perform an interview, just give them a bottle of water. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's such a small gesture, but it's, I find that people, when they're talking a lot, they might need some water. They might not have prepared and brought any in. And it just shows that like, you know, this is, this is a friendly conversation. We're going to determine whether or not you're good for the future of this company, not whether or not you're a good person, you know? So I, I just, I like that to, to start things off. What do you think about that? I, I, I tell you, that's huge. I'm so glad you brought that up. Little things go a long way, right? Yep. The, the, the candidate being comfortable in the interview process, like I talked about earlier, this isn't an interrogation, right? We want them to be comfortable. Someone who is more comfortable, as I, you know, mentioned with my story in college, Someone who, you know, feels like it's a welcoming environment and water is a part of that is, is more likely to open up and show you their, their true colors. And that's what, in the end, what it's all about. One more, I, I have to give a horror story Yes, uh, yes, yes. Be, be, before we go, but one of the most awkward interviews I had, I was actually conducting and I was interviewing a student. I won't give the ag school that this individual came from. Okay. But let's protect this, the innocent. This, yeah, of, of course, because th this could be devastating. Well, <laughs> at least it was for their career with me at the time. But this, this, uh, this candidate, I, we, we were discussing uh, their experiences in life, and they, this individual told uh, a, a story and was describing what this individual, I'm using air quotes, called a crazy Russian cab driver accent, which I wasn't familiar with what that meant. And we gave it a good chuckle. Well, okay. this individual took that to mean that we really, really enjoyed this accent. And so for the next... I want to say five minutes. It felt like an hour. Oh. Five minutes. This individual d answered all the questions that we had in this accent. That is wild. And it was like watching a tr two trains about to collide uh, on a track with like a, a basket of kittens in the middle. And there was nothing that I could do to stop this. 
you know, trying with my eyes to say so much yeah. facial expressions to tell this individual, please, please stop. And so awkward to say the least. And I was interviewing in a committee, needless to say, uh, it didn't go over well. And, and uh, that was the end of our conversations with this individual. But, you know, we all have those stories and, and we can look back and laugh. But I would say to anybody that has, you know, stories like that, learn from it, move on. Yes. You tried it, it bombed there, probably wouldn't try it again in the future. And it, and it goes both ways, right? It goes for the interviewer and the interviewee. So, you know, having some fun with it, be relaxed, be yourself. That's the best way to be in an interview. Love that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter of, you know, you, you have some freedom, but maybe play it a little safer than that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, uh, always, always, uh, remember decorum keeps yes. a certain level of professionalism, right. And in, in any interview, no matter how much, and this is another tactic. I know a lot of the, the companies that I, I work with, we use they, they, the object or the, the goal is to try to get you to drop your guard. If I get this individual to drop their guard, you know, how much will they, will they come forward with who they really are? Right. And so we've always got to be careful. Don't, don't take the bait on something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good sign of soft skills and not being able to read the room uh, right there. So we've talked a ton about interviews. We've gone long, but I think it was worth it. I think we had a lot to say specifically on how to assess and improve the interview process. So Dustin, if people want to, to get a hold of you to continue this conversation, because I know it's really complex, how can they do that? It is. And, and I'm so glad. And it's, it's been such a great discussion. And, and it's one that's so important because, again, it, it impacts all of our, or all of our organizations and our teams. And so if anybody wants to continue the discussion, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. You know where to find me under Dustin Toberman, OmniAg Consulting, and also uh, OmniAg.com. I'm always happy to carry on the discussion and uh, to offer any insights. Great. Well, it's been incredible once again, and we'll be back with more amazing topics uh, having to do with opportunity and agriculture. Uh, we might even talk more about interviews at some point. Uh, you've been listening to Boot Pit to Boardroom, a podcast about opportunity in agriculture. Give us a, a like, give us a five-star rating, uh, subscribe Please. on any your, your major podcast app uh, apps uh, because we'll come out with more episodes and, and, and we'd love to hear your feedback. So we'll see you again in the next episode. Stay safe. Thanks a lot.